Ni hao? That's all I can do, I'm afraid. Um, welcome to Tampa Tantrum Live. My name is Stephen Layton, and I'm the co-creator and co-host of Tampa Tantrum. It's so wonderful to have so many of you here today, coffee professionals from all across Taiwan, uh, and it's very humbling to see you all here. Tampa Tantrum wouldn't be here in Taipei today without many, many people. But for me, one of the most important that is missing is my co-host, Colin Harmon who is very sad that he can't join, join us on this occasion. Colin has recently had his second child, and his wife is putting her foot down on his travelling. Instead, he has to stay home, change nappies and play daddy. But I know he would have loved to be here, just as I am very happy to be here, and he sends his very warmest wishes to you all, and hopes he has a chance to meet you in the future. But, as standing, we have a very adequate replacement in Mr James Hoffman, World Barista Champion 2007 and co-owner of uh, Square Mile Coffee Roasters in the UK. A more than adequate replacement. Tampa Tantrum started when Colin finished two in fourth in the 2009 World Barista Championships. Much to all of our surprise. We decided we wanted more of this World Barista Championship fun. So we decided we needed to start work as soon as possible. The very next day after the WBC, we recorded a hungover video podcast with Ben Helfin of Octane Coffee, now of Counterculture. Um, and we really just wanted to learn more about coffee. When Colin and I returned home, we decided to make this a regular occasion. But we had no name for this video cast. We nearly called this 13 Chicken Wings due to an item on the menu in the hotel we were stopping at in Atlanta. Luckily, five minutes before we recorded that second Tampa Tantrum, we chose that name instead, which I'm sure you will agree is a much better fit. What could have been called 13 Chicken Wings, what could have been just two geeks sitting on a sofa talking about coffee in their living room, is now on an Asian tour bringing together coffee professionals from all over Taiwan to discuss and share ideas about coffee. One of the things that I've done in coffee that makes me most proud is to get people to sit down and discuss these topics. It's one of my proudest achievements. And it was so wonderful to sit down with some of you last night and have a wonderful dinner hosted at Peace and Love and start these conversations. But... It's more about the discussions we're going to have today in person. It's also about building a library of videos of all of the speakers that we've had, including here today, that we can share across the world, no matter where we live in the world. Tampa Tantrum Live Taipei wouldn't be possible without the help and support of our event partners, Taiwan Coffee Association and Taiwan Coffee Laboratory. And our Tampa Tantrum Live sponsor, Linking coffee, linking coffee, and the film about coffee title sponsor, Cafe Di Tiemo. And of course, our event sponsors, ASEA, Gabi, Kapok, and Simply Cafe. So please, help me put our hands together and thank these sponsors for making today possible, please. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
So first up, we have a man of film, the maker of the amazing film we got to see last night. Born, raised and educated in Alabama, Brandon Loper has been working commercially in San Francisco for the past eight years, cultivating his craft of telling stories through advertising and short films. Turning his genius to the world of coffee, this is Brandon's first feature-length documentary, a film about coffee, exploring the global culture of specialty coffee. Launched worldwide and has been embraced by the specialty coffee community. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Mr. Brandon Loper. Thank you. Ni hao. I have two very important things, coffee and water. Need both of those. Um, thank you for having me. Thank you, Stephen, for the great introduction. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you again. Um, I slept really well knowing that you all enjoyed the movie, so thank you for the kind response last night. Um, show of hands, who was here for the movie last night? All right, great crowd. So you'll, this will be very applicable. Um, so what I'd like to do today is sort of tell you a little bit um, behind the sort of how the story developed for a film about coffee. Um, not so much like technical things, but more about how the process was developed and sort of, it's really kind of my personal process kind of that I went through. So that's what I want to start with today. Um, and my images will be on these, these two screens. You have a sip of water if you don't mind. So I live in San Francisco, California, um, but I'm originally from Alabama in the southeast. Um, it's not a place known for its coffee, specialty coffee. They drink a lot of coffee, but it's very thick and black, and it, it sits in a brewer for hours usually. Um, a lot of diner coffee, as we would call it. So uh, the way I approached coffee was that I liked a girl, and she drank coffee, um, Maybe some of you have had a similar experience. Maybe not. <laughs> um, but she drank coffee with a lot of creamer and flavored like syrups, which is fine. But when you drink a lot of it, it like can hurt your stomach. And I, but I didn't know what black coffee tasted like because my parents drank it. And I was sort of very, I was put off by it because I liked the smell. Uh, as James Freeman said last night in the movie, how could something that smells so wonderful, tastes so horrible. <laughs> I think that really resonated with me. And a lot of people sort of find that idea interesting. And so I was the same way. And um, so I drank coffee with creamer to impress this girl. And a friend of mine dared me to drink coffee black one day. We're at a truck stop in Mississippi. It was very um, country <laughs> in the middle of the night. I think that the waitress's name was Flo. It's like the very stereotypical. Um, so he dared me to drink coffee black. And that's the way I've drank it ever since. Um, I'm happy to say that the girl I was trying to impress, she was impressed, uh, and she's now my wife. We have a small child together, so it worked. Coffee can bring people together. It, it brought myself and my wife together, and it brings us here today in Taiwan, which is really cool. Uh, and that's kind of one thing that'll be a theme in my, my talk, is that coffee does bring people together. And this sort of, there's this circle and coffee is able to sort of make this circle around the globe. Um, so this, that kind of brings me to the first thing I'd like to 
get into in this talk is these are a couple images from the marketing of the film. Um, so, but there's something important here because I think it gives you a little bit of background into my process and kind of what I was thinking. Um, the image on your, is it your left? Yeah, your left. I'm looking back here. Um, your left is sort of a historical drawing of coffee. I think we've probably all seen something, we've seen something similar to this before in a historical um, botanical book or a coffee company might use this imagery. Um, but what I liked about this was I wanted this film to, to touch on the history of coffee, but it's a very complex sort of origin. Um, James Hoffman will talk a little bit about coffee stories later, but, but it's, it's a complex origin, the way coffee kind of came to be. But I wanted something to represent that. I wanted to kind of bridge this gap between old and new. So we had someone draw our own drawing. So on the poster, this is kind of the same images from that. Um, and on the right is sort of another logo or icon that we use in conjunction with this old imagery. And so I wanted to kind of blend this old and new. Um, and it's a circle. It's like pretty modern. It's, it's not, I have to admit, it's not the most unique logo in the world. People have circle logos. They've been doing it for a while. It kind of looks like a stamp. But what I liked about it is that it's a circle. And I'll kind of touch on that a little more later. So as I said, my kind of my coffee story started in the United States. Um, but a question I get asked a lot is, OK, yeah, you like coffee, but why did you make a movie about coffee? It took us three years to make this film. I did a lot of research, a lot of time. Uh, and it was all a passion project. As I said last night, no one was funding this movie. Or no, there, weren't, there wasn't a company behind it. And no one was telling me, hey, you, 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 like, we want you to tell the story. This is sort of my personal experiences that I had to get out. I had to express them. And I wanted other people to experience them. And for me, a very important part of that story was when I realized the different flavors in coffee. And I started to realize the different varietals and locations and how processing mattered. Um, and so a, a large point in sort of my coffee history is when I first tasted a naturally processed coffee. Have you guys tasted a naturally processed coffee? Anybody? Um, they tend to have sort of a more fruity flavor. Um, the one I had was a coffee at Blue Bottle Coffee in San Francisco. Uh, it was a, in 2006, I believe, so about eight years ago now. Uh, that I first and I've had this coffee that sort of launched me into this journey. And it was a natural coffee. And I had to I had to know why I had to know why is it different? What's different about it? How? How come I've never tasted this before? I felt like I was getting gypped from all these other people. I was drinking all this bad coffee. I was like, Oh, coffee can be different and interesting. And that sort of started this internal journey that kind of became uh, this film. Um, so an important thing in making a documentary is research. Um, doing any type of project, if you're going to put it out in the world and there's a professional group of people and there's a large audience, you kind of want to know what you're talking about. So me, um, I'm going to confess, I'm a coffee outsider. I've never worked in a cafe. I'm not a barista. Um, I have done some home roasting on a Whirly Pop, very small, because I just thought it was fun. Um, but I ha not in a professional sense. I've never sold coffee for money or made money you know, making coffee. Um, so I had to find people who did. And I had to find the right people. Because as you all know, there's a lot of information around coffee. And sometimes it's hard to know who's telling the truth. You know, who's, 
Who are the accurate sources? Who should we be listening to? Who's guiding the specialty coffee industry? So this is kind of a head scratcher, and it took a while. I found that coffee people are crazy about Twitter. So I had to join Twitter. I wasn't on Twitter. All I knew was like Facebook and Instagram, but I was like, okay, I have to join Twitter. I have to learn. I have to read a lot of articles. So um, we did about 34 interviews for the movie. You probably only saw about seven or eight people in the movie last night. But So for all those 34 interviews, you can imagine there's probably weeks of time devoted to each person researching and asking questions. So it was a lot of time researching. It took about a year of my time. Um, um, so that, that's sort of the before of the film was research. But I think when I started to make the film, it really started to come to life and some of these personalities started to become really apparent that these are people that are passionate about something and they're passionate about coffee. And to some people that seems a little silly, but um, every person I interviewed was extremely passionate about coffee. And I think a lot of people have a perception that if you work in coffee, it's sort of, um, you're not educated, you, um, you couldn't do anything else. You know, I, I think in the States, at least, there's sort of this perception that coffee is not um, a, well, a well thought upon profession. Um, but I started to learn that that wasn't the case at all. This is an image of Eileen Hasi Rinaldi, the owner of Ritual Coffee in San Francisco. She went to Brown University, prestigious university in the States, college degree, very smart, very bright, and she got hooked by coffee. She worked in a coffee shop and got hooked and said, I want to devote my life to this. And I, I found several stories of people that they were professionals doing something else. Katsu Tanaka from Bear Pond Espresso that you saw last night. Um, coffee people have to be sexy. <laughs> He was a, an account executive um, in the creative department for FedEx. So he managed a team of people that did the creative work for FedEx. Um, so a very high, high position. Very, it's something you'd be like, okay, I have a great career. You stick in this. You have a nice house. You, you have some kids. You kind of have a nice car. You do the whole thing. But he, he got hooked by coffee, and it sort of... It wouldn't let go of him, and he's now he's devoted. He said last night in the film, his passion is espresso, but he uses these sort of other elements, uh, his creativity in the way he makes espresso and the way his shop looks. So I think I started to find that there's some really brilliant minds in coffee, and that's exciting because that'll keep pushing the industry. Um, this is a couple images from the behind the scenes of in Tokyo with a couple of people we filmed with. There's Katsu on the left. And this is an image from, we have books that we made uh, of the behind the scenes. We sold out, unfortunately, before we got here. We sold almost all of them uh, in South Korea and the rest in Shanghai. But those, will be, those are available through our website. But this is sort of an image from some of the behind the scenes there. Um, so what I'd like to talk about next is Okay, we interviewed all these people. What's the story going to be? I think coffee is such a broad topic. It's extremely hard. Even if you know you want to tell a coffee about, tell a story about specialty coffee, what's it about? What's the angle? So I had an idea of what I, the story I wanted to tell, but it really developed in the process of filming and talking to people and hearing more stories and hearing 
things that like, ah, that, that's what people need to hear. This, this, this moment that they let me experience and they told me, other people need to experience that and that will sort of help them understand some tenets of specialty coffee. Um, so this is an image of, on the right is Carter Gunn. He's the editor of the film. did an incredible job. Uh, and then on the left is Benjamin Paz Munoz, who his family owns the mill in Honduras uh, that we filmed that. And on the computer screen is um, David Mancia, one of the coffee producers. Uh, he was one of the guys that was tasting the espresso. And one of the things that became very apparent in editing the film, and kind of I knew this all along, but... It, it rose to the top in terms of content and quality and story um, was I knew that I had to sort of put these people's personality and their kind of heart and their passion on display. And I wanted that to be a key part of the film. Um, and David Mancia is one of those crucial stories. Um, did everybody, was the translation okay? Could you understand him last night? Yeah. So, you know, a couple things he said, you know, some of us in English that are, that are here with us haven't heard exactly what he said, but he said, yeah, we know it's good, you know, after Kevin the barista said that. And he knows it's good. He's passionate about it. The reason he knows it's good is because he puts his whole life into something, and he's very proud of it. Um, and good to him isn't necessarily the way it's extracted or the way, you know, all these technical things. Good is because... It's his heart and his soul in this beverage, and he wants people to experience it that way. So to him, it was good. So that, that, that rose to the top in editing the film in that I wanted to tell the story, and I wanted that to be sort of the crux of the film. Uh, and this is an image of Sebastian Benitez, who's holding a bag um, of coffee that Ritual ro Coffee Roasters roasted, uh, and it has the name of his farm on it and his name on there. And I think when you sort of see this take place, even seeing this image, you can kind of tell. I mean, you look at his fingernails, you look at his hands. You can tell this is someone that works very hard. Uh, and to see, um, you know, someone in San Francisco, California, very far away, I guess not too far in terms of like, it's not as far as Ethiopia, but very far away, putting care and design into the packaging and putting all the statistics, and that's very important to him. And he didn't want to let it go. He held it very tight. <laughs> this is the image of David Mancia that I was talking about before. This is the image that was on the screen uh, when they were in the editing room. But um, I think, you know, I love this image. I think you just kind of look at his face and you want to give him a hug. It's very sweet. <laughs> um, but he's very proud of his coffee, like you said. Um, and he loves what he does, and he's glad that we are taking things kind of to the next level or trying to. Um, this, to me, this particular scene didn't make it in the film, um, but we're going to have some behind-the-scenes sort of footage that we add to our website in conjunction with downloading. And So what's happening here is this is a true example of closing the circle to me, and I kind of want to tie that back with the logo. I said I wanted it to be a circle, and I sort of wanted it to combine this whole process. And so what's happening here, this table, this wooden table, is where this coffee that he's about to brew was pulped in Honduras. It was shipped with a bunch of other coffee in a container to Oakland, then roasted in San Francisco, and then flown back in a couple suitcases to Pina Blanca, Honduras, trekked up a mountain with some brewing devices. Um, 
and it was brewed for Sebastian at his home. So he's holding the bag of coffee that Kevin's brewing. Um, and Kevin kind of looks like a giant in this photo. <laughs> he is a little taller than him. But this is a really unique experience for me as a person, and it's something that I'll carry with me for a long time. And I think it encapsulates what's happening when he's making espresso for the farmers as well. This is someone who's able to see how people are enjoying Kevin. The barista is able to see how people are enjoying coffee in San Francisco and sharing that experience with Sebastian, who wouldn't have otherwise got to experience that. So it's a very special moment. So in closing, um, I think I might have mentioned this last night, but what I'd like to leave people with um, in the film is I'd like you to think about, go back, this guy. This is who I think about when I drink coffee in the morning. And I know he doesn't produce every cup of coffee that I drink, um, but it means a lot to me to think about him and just conceptually to start my day thinking about someone else putting someone else before myself, I really like that as a humble way to start my day. And I get to enjoy a delicious cup of coffee and think about someone else um, and hopefully help you know, their livelihood. Someone's going to buy their coffee. You know, they're producing coffee. It can either go to a commodity or specialty, but I'd like to keep um, drinking his coffee as a specialty coffee and understanding the nuances and the flavors. So thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Uh, I think now we're going to have a quick Q&A. So if you're thinking about some questions, hold those, and we'll have a mic kind of come around to that. Thank you. So, fantastic. Well done. Thank you. Again. Good job, sir. Thank you. So, um, how does it feel, kind of taking this film that you've worked on for so long mm -hmm. to all around the world and you know to places to come to Taipei and show that film from the initial idea? That must be an amazing feeling. Yeah, it, it feels great to be able to share the film all over the world. I think you know I started kind of the first viewing I had was with my family in my living room, and I was like, "What do you think?" You know, and they're like, "I don't understand." You know, so I was like, "All right, I'm going back to the drawing board," but I'm. I knew that there was a, a big demand to see something like this. I personally wanted to watch a film like this. So I, I felt like I, in making it, it was like, I want to watch this really bad. So it was another sort of impetus for me to make it, make the film. And it feels great to have such a huge, you know, warm reception. And yeah. There seems to be a big room of people here last night that want to share that with you too. So that's... Totally. Yeah, okay. it's a great feeling. 所以说能够把影片带到世界其他地方，能够带到亚洲，带到台湾来，这样的感觉到底是怎么样呢？那我自己是觉得这真的让人非常的兴奋，因为我以前在拍摄电影之前，我所想的也就是我想要看这样的一
。那咖啡已经存在这么久，咖啡产业也不是一个崭新的产业，为什么要花这么久的时间才有一部影片出来呢 ？I think it's a great question.、Um, why no one else had made this film before? It's it's a tough topic, and it's even hard for myself to decide what to include. And I think I was very fortunate、um, that. I had the support of the production company I work with that let me make the film that I wanted to make. I think a lot of times when you set out to make a documentary, there can be a lot of people telling you what you should do.、Um, and I was able to sort of, since I I wasn't in the coffee industry necessarily, I was able to kind of take a step back and as sub- subjective as I think I could be, be able to kind of tell that story, you know, through my lens. 这真的是一个很好的问题，同时也是一个很难回答的问题。呃，这里面的情形有很多。当你想要拍一部咖啡的影片的时候，你总是要考虑什么要放进去，什么不放进去。我自己觉得我很幸运，我的制作公司给了我非常大的支持。在我制作记录纪录片的过程里面，他们鼓励我去拍我想要的东西。我在一路上也碰到很多专家的帮忙，让我最后得以实现我的目标。Can I add something to that answer too? I think also what I what I discovered is that I think you know if you're in the coffee industry or if you're someone that has the idea I'm going to make I need to make a film about specialty coffee you're kind of you know enough to be in and I think sometimes you kind of get blinders on and you don't realize that there are a lot of people that don't know coffee's a fruit there are a lot of people that don't know coffee's an agricultural product they don't understand sort of the basic tenets of what coffee is. They think it's just sort of, as Darren Daniels said, a widget in a box or just a brown liquid. And so I think that I realized that, and I was like, okay, I have to do this because I'm kind of straddling the fence between both worlds. 那我还想要补充一点，就是如果你本身已经是咖啡产业里面的人，常常有的时候你会当局者迷，很多局外人不清楚的事情，你可能会认为是理所当然。可能很多人不知道，咖啡其实是一种水果；很多人不知道，咖啡其实也是农业产品。很多人觉得咖啡就是盒子里面的东西，或者就是杯子里面咖啡色的那个东西。所以这个是很多圈内人所没有办法清楚去思考的问题。Um, I kind of I've I've spoken to quite a few people who make fi- not just coffee films, other films, and there's always lots of stuff that doesn't make the edit、um, or doesn't quite make it in because it doesn't fit in. Do you have、uh, like clips? You said about there was going to be some some footage that wasn't seen in the film. Do you have lots of that? Yeah, we have. Oh, sorry. 呃，我自己除了你之外，我也跟很多这个影视圈的人接视呃接触过。那我们在制作电影的过程里面，往往会有很多的 idea， 我们没有办法最后在影片中使用到，很多的构想最后必须放弃。所以在你创作的过程里，是不是也有很多精彩的想法最后没有使用呢 ？Yeah, the question was, do we have a lot of footage that wasn't in the film? And yes, we we probably shot. Oh man, I don't even know. Like sometimes I say the ratio is like you use like one percent what you film, and that's probably pretty accurate about what we have.、So、I mean, there are whole characters that we had in the rough cut that kind of had to pare down because it didn't work with the the arch, kind of the whole story.、Um, great scene with David Shomer,、um, Seattle, a couple other scenes. Um, in Tokyo and in other places in Honduras, that we're trying to figure out ways to sort of let people see those, you know. 
呃，绝对有哈。我们常常讲说，拍电影的过程里，你最后使用到的片段大概是你拍摄的百分之一。我们在拍摄的过程中，有很多很多精彩的画面，最后都没有办法剪辑进去。我们甚至有一些角色原本是要出场的，也不能出场，主要是因为我们觉得跟我们故事的高潮起伏不配合。那我们有很多，像是我们可能在东京啦，或者洪都拉斯，有很多东西我们都没有办法介绍。那我们现在努力的目标之一，就是希望可以让这些我们拍摄却没有放出来的片段，也可以让大家看到。From that perspective, the film s i x t minutes long.、Mm-hmm. Was that a length you aimed for, or did, was just how long it took to tell the story you wanted to tell? Yeah, I, I was aiming for more time. Honestly, like I wanted it to be, in most, to get a theatrical run of a film, it needs to be seventy minutes. <laughs> That's something I learned after I was finished, <laughs>、um, which was quite disappointing. But I think it was longer, and we kept. Tri- I mean, it was originally like two and a half, three hours, and then I think you're like, all right, we could get to the point sooner, and I think.、Um, I have to give you know hats off to my editor. He really helped me, kind of kill my darling, so to speak, of scenes that I really wanted to include but didn't really work with the thesis. So, yeah, I was shooting for like 90 minutes,、um, but it just kind of we were able to tell the story that I wanted to tell and leave it open-ended enough in 67. So. 呃，你刚刚讲到电影的长度，那我记得电影片长只有六十七分钟，这个是你刻意为之，还是最后就真的只剩六十七分钟？呃，那其实我们这边是想要把电影做得更长一点，可是最后剪剪剪剪剪剪，哎，就变剩六十七分钟。而且更不幸的是，我在剪完电影之后才发现，电影要在院线上映，规定一定至少要七十分钟才能上映。所以，嗯，这个也是我们为什么这次电影长度有点不足。可是事实上，电影原本我的版本可能会有两三个小时那么长。那这个我就必须要献写我的剪接师，他真的帮我把很多不必要的细节给删除掉。我有很多觉得啊，这个拍的真是太好了，我要放进来。可是跟我的主题其实并不是很合。那我的剪接师都帮我把它剔除了。那我想，我们最好的目标还是要拍一个九十分钟的电影了。I'm conscious we've only got ten minutes for some audience questions, so I'm going to ask one quick last question.、Sure. It's, it's bothered me from your presentation each time I've seen it.、Uh-huh. Um, the、oh, I can't get it to work. The picture where you were in the fi- in the field. Ah, oh, it's out there.、Yeah. yeah, of course it is. Not that one. That one there. Yeah. Did you get to taste that coffee? I did. Yeah. How incre- did it taste? It was incredible. I mean, if you've, most people have seen the Lord of the Rings. Have you guys seen the Lord of the Rings? It felt like I was in like the Lord of the Rings type scenario. The fog was low, it was green, it was like moist, and we were drinking kind of amazing coffee after trekking up this enormous mountain. <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. 呃，因为我们时间大概剩不多，我希望有十分钟的这个观众问答时间，所以我要问一个很快的问题，就是现在荧幕上照片里面这杯咖啡，你有喝吗？那答案是有，我有喝，而且我喝的时候觉得这实在是太屌了，感觉就好像在拍魔界一样。我长途跋涉上了一座非常非常高的山，到处都是雾，到处都是树，然后我就喝了一杯非常神奇的咖啡。I think this is Magic. Everyone has seen it. Magic. 
I think one just side minor note. Also, he traveled with ceramic cups. You know, you think you're like hiking a mountain. You're like, oh, I'll just bring some paper cups or plastic cups. But he had the full on, like the full setup, the way someone would experience it there. 而且不止如此，他上山的时候，他带的不是纸杯，带的不是塑胶杯，他把他全套的陶瓷杯都带上来了。所以那个经验真的是非常的难得。我们完全的设置好，一切都是正统的来。So we'd like to invite some questions from the audience. Would anybody like to ask Brandon a question? 那现在如果观众有任何问题，都欢迎发问。It's really nice film. Yeah, Thank it's you. really touched my heart because I visit a lot of COVID country. Mm. I think the COVID is, like you said, connect the people. And I, in your film, in the US, you choose the siphon. But in Asia, you choose the espresso. Mm. So it's, uh, it's kind of the trend you want to tell the audience. You will be changed of the uh, different coffee drinking. <coughs> That's a good question. The question was about. Um, I'll repeat it and make sure I, I digested it right.、Um, what I showed in each country was representative of trends. Is is that right? Okay. Yeah. I think.、Um, Can we just translate that? Oh yeah. Yeah. 因为我看了这部电影，我觉得真的非常的感动。我去了很多国家，尝过不同风格的咖啡。我觉得这部电影真的是太美好了。但我想要问的就是，当你在拍摄不同国家喝咖啡的方式的时候，你似乎有拍出不一样的咖啡。像在亚洲，你就比较着重在浓缩咖啡 （espresso） 上面。那我想问的是，这是你想要呈现给世界看的各地的咖啡风情吗？ I think it would have been easy to show, and we did, but to focus on espresso in the U.S. or you know somewhere like that, and then film a siphon in Japan. But what I thought it was interesting was to sort of show how these kind of worlds collide and learn from each other.、Um, I really liked how James Freeman is obviously obsessed with Japanese culture, and that comes across in his brewing of the siphon in his space, and it's like the, just the way he is. Uh, and I loved how Katsu was obsessed with New York, you know, and this kind of idea and evoking this emotion, and in his cafe being New York. So,、um, yeah, it was intentional where we showed each sort of、um, brewing device because I liked that it kind of was a trading of knowledge, sort of. 呃，事实上，我们可以很简单就说，哦，美国人就是爱喝 espresso， 日本人就喜欢玩 siphon。可是我想要的是，想要制造出一种文化交流，大家都可以彼此学习的这种感觉。所以说，像我们就会看到，哎，这个 James 他非常的这个着迷日本的文化，所以他就会去做 siphon。那 Kazu 呢，他的店可能就非常有纽约的风格。所以来回答你的问题，是我们是刻意的，可是我们想要创造的是一种文化交流的感觉。Another question? Does anybody else have? 还有没有问题？哦、oh, ，后面那位先生。The、furthest away. <laughs> It's a race. <laughs> 
。我想问一下，因为他刚才有提到说他有拍摄一些其他的人物，但是最后没有放进来。其中有提到 David Schumer 这个这个人在西雅图开咖啡店的。那我们就我们所认知，他跟他店里提供的东西，跟现在第三波的一些主要的。比如说影片有放进去 Stump Town， 然后呃 Blue Bottle 这些这一类的咖啡有很大的不同。那他在拍摄的时候，主要是拍摄他介绍了什么东西？那为何最后没有放进去呢 ？So the question was、um, to give a brief description of what was omitted from the film,、um, and I think、um, what sort of came to be after watching the movie is that. There are representations of what's happening in coffee, and a lot of people are doing very similar things.、Um, to, to, so to show two companies doing the same thing or telling the same story twice、um, was very redundant. And I didn't want to include something just because someone was that I that I should include them. Like I, I wanted to kind of just pick which story kind of represented the idea I'd like to convey. And which one was the most interesting, albeit visually or story-wise?、Um, but there's a lot of overlap of things that kind of told the same story.、Um, yeah. 所以我们选择的方式之所以会忽略某些细节，会忽略某些人物跟店家，主要是因为我们不想要重复说一样的故事。如果我们觉得两家店或是两个人物之间有某一种程度上的重叠的话，我们不希望就是不断的一直讲同样的东西。所以我们通常在选择的时候，我们是会选择在不管在画面上或者在故事上看起来最有趣的。那个人物或那一家店来放在我们影片中，而不是说，哎，这个人还蛮重要，或者说这家店其实蛮有分量，就去放他，因为我们不想要重复说一样的故事。And I'll add, to, I'll actually answer your question this time. <laughs> 好，然后现在我再来正式回答你刚刚的问题。Specifically, I left out a very large chunk, a、uh, historical section. Um. Of Starbucks and more of like the the 90s and early 2000s. That was a large part of the film,、um, and I decided that for the story I wanted to tell, I wanted to spend more time on what's happening now as opposed to historical. Because if you spend too much time in one area, then you need to spend more time in another time period, and that wasn't exactly where I wanted to spend my time. So, yeah. 另外就是我对于咖啡的历史这个部分，我其实我都略过不谈。其实我们是可以讲到，包括星巴克的崛起，然后还有在这个九零年代初期跟本世纪初期的一些咖啡的变化。但是，一旦我们开始去追溯这个咖啡演进的一些相关历史的话，我们就势必要谈这个年代、那个年代，最后所有年代都要谈。那这个并不是我拍这部电影想要走的方向。所以最后我们就选择不这样做。Okay, well, before we wrap up,、um, if anybody didn't see the film last night, how can they see it in the future? Little chance for you to kind of let them know how they can、uh, they see the film. Yeah, so if you go to www.afilmaboutcoffee.com,、um, that's our website. You'll be able to download the film directly from our website.、Uh, we have sort of a a, a service that is. Hosting it and allowing that, so it'll kind of redirect you there. But we want to make it very easy for you to find the film.、Um, you can follow us on our social channels: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter.、Uh, 
Um, all of those are a film about coffee. Um, but the website is a great place, and we have a, a place there to sign up for our newsletter, uh, which we can, you know, sometimes it's hard. That you, if you follow a lot of people on Twitter or Facebook, it's hard to kind of find specific information. So if you sign up for our newsletter, you're guaranteed to have something in your inbox to let you know when it's available in your area. 那在我们结束之前，顺便问一下，就是说，如果昨天没有来看到电影的观众，想要看电影有什么途径可以取得？那其实，在我们的官方网站，就是www.filmaboutcoffee.com，呃，就可以找到下载的链接了。那基本上你